Often imitated, but never ever duplicated. This is the world famous Mo Money Mondays on All About Us Radio. So, you know, with all of the places you could have been tonight, I am delighted that you chose to be here with me on Mo Money Mondays. I am your host, Vonda. So let's get started with Real Talk. Tonight, I want to talk about one of my favorite groups of people, today's millennials. <laughs> also known as Generation Y. So for those of you that may not know, Generation Y usually ranges from ages 18 to about 37, 38. So it's pretty much a younger generation. And, you know, the uncertainty around our economy does not appear to be helping this generation to plan for their futures. So I kind of want to have a little conversation about that and see where maybe there are some points that we can offer some, you know, good advice. Uh, But, you know, experts, you know what they're saying? The experts agree on the fact that millennials as a whole are not exactly wise with their money. But I have a lot of faith and confidence in this young generation. And according to Forbes.com and everythingfinance.blog, there are six key financial issues that our Generation Y is facing today. And one of the most serious concerns is the accumulation of debt. You know, young people have to pay for higher education and they have student loans, which are, you know, initially to help them with their college tuition. But have you seen the price of college tuition these days? And naturally, this is going to result in debt. And I have seen debt of $50,000 or more once these young people are out of college and begin their working life. So you add that to the cost of maybe buying a house or a car or getting married and having children. You know, millennials are accumulating large sums of debt in a relatively short space of time. And many millennials do not seem to be put off by these costs, which is amazing to me you know, kind of assuming that they're good debt or part of normal life. At least that's what it appears to be. Another key concern is, you know, the fact that many are living month to month. So with almost half of all millennials living paycheck to paycheck, you know, and preferring to not really think about the future, Many are failing to put money aside and every month it becomes, you know, a habit that they fall into where it gets more difficult each time if you don't start right away, you know, because now you've created a a budget for yourself that includes dinner and shopping and hanging out and, 
you know, it's really hard to reel back on that, especially when you're just new to the work uh, environment. But while this could be attributed to the accumulation of debt, maybe, it's also thought to be caused by many millennials not earning enough money to account for their current rate of spending. Um, I think that probably applies across the board to many of us. But remember, you know, the younger generations, they're, they're just getting their footing. They're just getting acquainted with this work life and budgeting and, you know, balancing their, their, their play life, their work life, their time, their budget. But with rising inflation and the high rents on apartments and stagnant wages, you know, today's Generation Y is struggling to make ends meet, let alone save for the future. You know, many millennials, they're living with roommates, three and four in an apartment. Granted, it'll be a beautiful apartment in a high rise with a terrace and a view, you know, but the apartment's $4,000 a month. So with three or four in the apartment, that's still high rent. Another concern is uh, little or no emergency savings. You know, most millennials tend to have very little, if any, emergency savings, and rightfully so. When an unforeseen financial event occurs, perhaps like the one that we're in, many are likely required to put some of their expenses on credit cards. And, you know, this will push them further into debt. So this is a little bit of a concern, uh, and it's difficult. It's challenging, especially when, like I said, you are just entering the workforce. Uh, another area that needs to be discussed is being under or uninsured. You know, many millennials don't have health insurance, and for someone in their 20s or 30s, Paying for insurance may seem low on the list of priorities when trying to make ends meet, but it's not just our phones and our cars that need to be insured, you guys. Um, it seems that, you know, few millennials have life insurance or long-term care insurance, and I don't even know if they really think about it. You know, when you're young, you really feel invincible. It's so hard to foresee, you know, your life as an aged person. And one of the things I think millennials haven't considered is that getting insurance is easier and so much less expensive to do when you're young and healthy. I don't think they realize that because you're eventually going to do it one day. But if there should be medical conditions that arise, treatment can be costly. And if you're not insurable later in life, it could cost triple the amount of money down the line. So I'll give an example. Uh, let's take life insurance. If you are 26 and you apply for a $100,000 death benefit policy, okay, with a $100,000 death benefit, that policy could cost you anywhere from like $30 to $35 a month. Now, that same policy for $100,000, if you wait 20 years when you're 40 or 44, could easily increase to a rate of about $150 or $170 a month just because of the aging process. 
So I say to millennials, you know, let's think about insuring ourselves early on. It's also a great tool for creating wealth. Um, insurance is a great way to accumulate cash value and kind of stockpile money in a slow, steady pace over time. So here's another concern. I think that many are putting off retirement planning. Of course, because, you know, it's really difficult to imagine yourself as an aged person when you're 25 or 30. And you think that that is so far off, but you know, time creeps up on us and the older we get, the faster it seems to go. However, we're all guilty of that whole, what is that sentence? What do we say? Where did the time go? Um, so, you know, millennials are not alone in thinking that retirement is far off in the future uh, because they're young and many of us do it. And I think that I have earned the rite of passage to speak about this. You know, if I had someone to tell me what I what I know now, if someone had told me this, if I had a an adult, you know, whispering in my ear, helping to guide me, it would have saved me uh, time, money and stress. By not putting money away, you know, the day you get that first paycheck, like really starting that habit in the beginning of your career, of your work career, most millennials have become accustomed to netting and spending all of their monthly income. And, you know, this is a generation obsessed with the immediate here and now. So I really wanted to pay attention to this. It may sound simple, but if you're a millennial, you know, saving from day one, you can get used to living off of a lower monthly income at the same time as planning for your future. In other words, it's kind of like you can't miss what you never had. So if you start saving $50 a month or let's say $20 a week out of your paycheck when you first start working and just, you know, make this an automatic ACH debit, make it a habit, you know, in your 20s, if you start this practice, let's say by the time you're in your 30s, you can increase that savings. By the time you're in your 40s, you can even increase because, of course, with time, your career will soar and you'll get a better job. And, you know, by the time you're in your 50s, you've accumulated quite a nice nut, but you start small. Start small, think big. So this is very important when you're young, okay? Please consider. Another thing I think that uh, millennials are guilty of, because of course they think they have plenty of time, is they ignore their credit score. And though I think they understand how important it is, it's still, you know, a day-to-day -day financial concern that I don't think many worry about. And the one way of racking up debt is not only not saving money and having school loans and then using your credit cards to live on because maybe you're having difficulty, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, but your credit score may not seem that important. But if you're planning to buy a house in the future or a car or start a business, you'll wish that you pay more attention to your credit score in your earlier years. It takes a little bit of time to really work that process and get your score at a level, consistent, comfortable place. 
And what happens very often is that people decide that I need to move or I'm getting married and we need a house because there's a baby coming or I can't live with my parents anymore or I'm tired of a roommate or I want to live with my girlfriend. You know, those, those types of decisions can actually, you can take action on those decisions within a couple of months. But to really get your credit score in a great place, if you haven't started, can take many months. So you want to be ahead of the eight ball and get your credit score right so that when the time comes that you need the good credit, it's already in place. And while some millennials have avoided taking out credit cards or loans just to avoid that kind of debt, I just want to let you know that a low credit score can also uh, happen, you know, or due to insufficient credit history. You, it's not good to have no credit. It's kind of the same as having bad credit in a way. Uh, you still are blocked with anything that you'd like to buy, any kind of ma major purchase. So not having credit history can also result in being denied. Um, if you're looking for a loan or you're looking to purchase a house or you're looking to, you know, credit is even necessary these days, not only for purchases, but sometimes, you know, employment looks at your credit score. Your, your employers look at your credit score before they hire you. Um, even if you want to just lease an apartment, they look at your credit score. So it's not always just about making a purchase, uh, you know, that will put you in debt. But like I said, there's a lot that goes with it. And here lately, they seem to be attaching it to, you know, it's not only attached to social security, but it's also attached to your integrity and your character. So please be very careful and do your best to get that on track from the very beginning of your work career. You know, I think this would be a really good subject for a future show. Maybe we should talk about credit. I think that sounds like a good idea. Anyway, I hope you got a couple of nuggets out of that. Um, next up, we are going to do money talks. You know, it's all about the money. So stay with us. We'll be right back. So tonight I wanted to have a specific talk regarding money talks. And it's about teaching valuable lessons, particularly financial lessons, financial literacy, that public schools fail to teach. Now, we are in a time of um, homeschooling. And that's why I really wanted to touch on this. You know, our kids are in our care right now, every single day. And unlike any other time, parents are privy to their child's curriculum. I did a workshop last week about uh, what what parents were noticing, you know, and some of the questions we, we asked and discussed were about, have you noticed things that were missing from your child's curriculum? And what kind of things have you added to your child's curriculum during this COVID-19 opportunity to have homeschooling? Some of the answers that I got were, uh, you know, some real life tools. We had parents in the kitchen 
uh, doing what would be, I guess, from the old school home economics, but really teaching their children to cook, learning about self-care and taking care of their bodies in a different way that you might not have covered, you know, with your kids running out of the house every day. I know that some parents talked about uh, creating boundaries, budgeting time, learning how to fit more activity in a single day because now that you're home, not only do you have homeschool to do, but there are also chores. Everybody's at home, so everybody has to share the load because, you know, we're all we're all creating um, the home element of living lifestyle, right? A little dirt, a little mess. So it's a shared responsibility, and that may not be the case when your kids are away and out of, you know, out of the house in school for six, eight hours a day. So things are looking a little different. I know that I I had conversations with parents about their kids starting projects. Uh, one dad spoke about his five-year-old has has discovered meditating. And he will go and find himself a corner. They watch YouTube together. And he discovered that his son loves to meditate. Now, I don't know that they would have discovered this you know, with the child in school. So there have been all of these areas of new discovery. There's also been places where parents have found that the information may not be the best information that school is teaching. So there have been pros and cons, but mostly pros. And please take a look at, you know, what's going on with your child's curriculum. See if there's a place that you would like to nurture or an area where maybe there's an opportunity to discuss that special, that particular niche with your child that you didn't really know existed that you can help him or her expound on. But I stumbled on a really amazing dad, and his name is King Kyron Gibson. And he has a son who is also named King. And I want to share this video with you. I know that you can't see it, but I'm going to play it for you, okay? Because it's really amazing. So check this out. Oh my God. This video, first of all, it went viral, of course. Um, yeah. Amazing. I'm speechless. I just get so tickled and so excited every time I've watched it <laughs> a couple dozen times now. Um, so the dad is King Lyons Gibson and the little boy, the son, his name is King Kyron Gibson. They are amazing. And King Dad, the dad king, father king, said that he wants his son to know the actual words and ensure that they do not feel like a foreign language to his son. You know, and the dad also proclaimed that he is going to teach his son everything he can possibly teach him now while he is young. So, Father King is a fitness instructor instructor in North Carolina, and he said that teaching comes naturally to him, and he doesn't want to wait until his son, King Jr., is a teenager to have conversations about the real 
world. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook. I think they may even be on Twitter. And this dad's videos are remarkable. The time that he takes with his son is is one thing, but the the decision and the intentional conversation that he has with his son is really, I think, the target here. First of all, we know that kids are not learning financial literacy, and I believe this child is five or six years old, and the fact that he is not just speaking these words, you can tell that he under he has an understanding about what he is speaking about. And right now, King Jr. says that he wants to be president or he wants to be a firefighter when he grows up. And he says that he wants to inspire people and make people happy. I mean, this is, what else can you ask for? Like, what a, a great kid. Like, you know, children are sponges just to see this type of nurturing. King Jr. also added that he wants to be a tycoon and run a lot of things. <laughs> that sounds like a kid, right? I want to run a lot of things. But, you know, King Sr. encourages parents who are homeschooling to take time for subjects that teachers don't teach. And he recommended starting with YouTube videos on practical topics and using prizes as incentives. You know, learning about finances at an early age, folks, let your child sit down with you and pay bills. You know, maybe not all of them, but let them understand what the utility bill looks like. Let them understand that it's time to pay taxes. And, you know, when you're doing banking, you know, figure out your deposit slips and your withdrawal slips. Maybe go through, go into the bank instead of going to the ATM so that you guys can do that deposit together. These little things are so memorable. And I, I think that sometimes adults think that it's just too much responsibility. But, you know, children are so multifaceted. They can they can do so many things at one time. And like I said, they're little sponges, just like they can learn language. You know, let's teach them our history. Let's teach them about money. It's something that they will need every day. The fact that this little child knew about equity and assets and, you know, these are all terms. But think about how much time we have in a day to really discuss or focus on particular subjects. So if finance is not one of your subjects, maybe it's black history, you know, but find that missing piece that we as adults know that we did not receive in our lesson plans as children. As unfortunate as it is, we really have the opportunity right now to examine that and make up for it. So I thought this was a wonderful example. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. And once again, you were listening to King Kyren. That's K-Y-R-E-N, Gibson. Actually, they spell King, K-Y-N-G, just in case you're having trouble finding them. This little king is a perfect example of what young entrepreneurship looks like. I mean, we know he's going to have business of his own by the time he's 10. You know, not a bad thing. Uh, children are very capable. 
you know, our children should know about credit. That's really amazing. Did you hear him say there should be no debt? We should not be in debt. You know, that's certainly something children need to learn about. We were just talking about millennials. I, I don't know. What do you think? What what would be the rate of these younger generations and their financial hardships if they knew a little bit more about debt and credit and, you know, saving money and building future and considering retirement at the age of seven? Just starting that discussion at such a young age so that it's not foreign by the time you get out of college. I didn't have that discussion. I know so many adults did not have these types of discussion until probably post-college. So this could be really amazing. And I really hope that we have all taken a little nugget of this and you have figured out something that you're going to inject into your child's curriculum from this day moving forward. Let's start tomorrow. Uh, I, I heard a wonderful story uh, about a, a family. I don't know if it was the dad or the mom. I think it was the mom. And she had four kids at home that she's homeschooling. <laughs> you can imagine what that's like, right? I think they were all under the age of 14 and younger. Now, you know, kids are used to snacks. After school, you, they usually have a little allowance and they're buying their snacks. So they come home and they buy snacks. But also the child's been at school all day. So now she's got four kids at home. And she said that she finally figured out a way to uh, put an end to the whole snack fiasco of everybody wanting a snack at different times and the requests and the demands and the sugar. And the... she gave them an allowance and she had a huge basket of snacks. I think there were Skittles and M&Ms and peanuts and chips and Doritos and a beautiful assortment. And her children got to essentially go to the store every day and buy their snack. And when that snack was done, that's all they had. And if they spent their money before the end of the week, there were no more snacks. And she said, well, now if there were no more snacks, then they would have to negotiate with their siblings to see if someone wanted to share. And as the uh, two weeks in, she said they had it down to a science. They were uh, reserving their snacks, being very mindful about whether they finished the whole bag or if they wanted to save this for later. So these are always really good things to teach our children. Rationing, ratios, you know, fractions, percentages, all of that kind of stuff, which can happen in the kitchen when you're cooking. An excellent, excellent idea. All very powerful ideas of very useful tools to help our children expand in areas that they have not yet, perhaps. So let's talk about the money with our children and help them to become financially literate before <laughs> the age that we gained that type of literacy. Okay, so next up, we gonna talk about it. So let's talk about it right here on Mo Money Mondays.
Before we wrap up tonight, I wanted to talk about a very serious matter, and that would be the matter of guardianship, especially while I have the ears of so many parents this evening, and we've been talking about, you know, parents and children dynamics. This is a very important subject. Now, we've had discussions on my show about having your affairs in order, you know, getting your paperwork straight, but it's so crucial. And I wanted to speak specifically to the part that affects your children when it comes to guardianship. There's a very good reason why parents should select guardians. If parents don't, a judge will pick the person who will act as parent to your surviving child. And that's why it's better to be prepared than leave the important decisions to strangers, especially for single parents. There are circumstances where maybe you have full custody of your child and the remaining parent may not be fit for custody. But if you haven't put that in writing and registered it with authorities or attorneys, the state will come in and appoint custody to the surviving parent. And this is something to really think about, especially if your child was court appointed to you. There's no way to know which grandparent you prefer if you don't leave it in writing. Or there's no way to know what your intention and your heart is around that. And I think it's something that many parents take for granted, especially younger parents. Because once again, what we were talking about, that whole aging and and the end seems so far off uh, very often. It seems like it's really distant, but it's not. And this is an important conversation to have, to have with your family, to have with your spouse, to have with the other parent, and possibly even to have with your child, depending on your circumstance and the age of your child. It is important to get your paperwork in order, to have your affairs in order, uh, I cannot stress, especially if you are a single parent, because it could be, it, it could make or break, you know, the remaining life of your child. Uh, there was a circumstance, and I'm going to share it. It's not a very nice one. But the dad, you know, was a felon and had been out and on drugs and so many different circumstances. The imprisonment had happened, I think, before the child or the child was born while dad was in prison. And at the age of nine, the child was nine, the mother transitioned and the child who didn't know the father and the father didn't know the child was given custody to the dad and the parents fought and the dad decided that he wanted the child. And, you know, of course there were more details and it was very involved, but this could be a harrowing experience for a child. If that parent 
does not make some decisions in writing legally before anything unfortunate should happen, heaven forbid. But these things happen. And one of my biggest pet peeves on this show that I've shared with you is planning is everything. So for folks that have young children, planning is everything. There is support around this type of planning. There may be free services around this planning. There is online potential around this type of planning. This goes right in line with uh, living will and health proxies and creating your will. Please do not leave the task to someone else or it to be somebody else's responsibility after your transition, especially with young children, even for older children, you know, this is, this is a very, uh, it's a very delicate situation, but I've seen some things go far left because parents didn't plan properly for younger children, especially if your child is adopted or a foster child. Um, this can be very critical or a foster child in, in transition waiting for adoption. Even if you don't do that and let's say you're not married or it, it just, it can become a mess. So it's always safe to do it in writing. If you have questions, there are agencies that can help you. If it's something that's difficult for you to talk about, you can always give us a call here at the show. We are always happy to When it comes to making decisions about who the guardian shall be, by law, all minor children must be raised by adults, okay? So as a parent, you're the natural guardian, but in the event of your transitioning, a guardian becomes the parent right? Makes sense. A guardian has the same rights and duties as a parent and will raise the child until the child is 18 as per, I, I think that's usually the majority. Sometimes it can be 21, but those are different circumstances. Although each state makes its own rules, guardians generally must be over the age of 18. Often there's a, you know, a younger child or a child that's almost of age. Please keep that in mind. If the child is only 17, that will not suffice in most cases. Other factors parents might want to consider when choosing a guardian is, does the one you're thinking of share your moral beliefs? Or how about, is the candidate physically able to do the job? In some cases, you know, parents choose their their parents, the grandparents as guardians, but please make sure that the grandparents are physically able to do this, especially during the, you know, post 10 years, let's say of aging. If your child is 10 and your grand, the grandparents are 70, you know, by the time the child is 16, 18, the parents are near 80, just make sure physically that they can actually handle the job whoever you are naming. And another consideration, would the candidate raise your children as you would? You know, or how about is the financial situation, you know, proper so that the guardian could afford to raise your children? 
Then you have to think about what kind of insurance you have. What are you leaving behind for your guardian to raise your child? These are all concerns that need to be thought about in advance. Of course, people have different circumstances. This is very personal, but some parents have illnesses and they know what the outcome may be before it actually happens. You know, families that have breast cancer as part of their genetic makeup may have to plan differently than other families with more proper longevity. All things to consider, but only you and your spouse can answer these important questions. And if it if you are a single parent, it might be something that you want to sit down and discuss with your potential guardian. Sometimes you can name multiple guardians. In most cases, it's better to name a single guardian for your child. But like I said, all circumstances are different. Some people prefer to choose a guardian couple or such as a sibling and a spouse. Or maybe you have one and then, you know, a, a concession in case something happens in the demise of your first choice. Keep in mind that if couples divorce, and, you know, most marriages is still a little tricky these days, right? You'll need to rename your guardian. So, you know, every case is different. Circumstances may be that you do want to put down a plan A and a plan B for your guardians. Uh, it's important to understand how the guardians will handle finances. One of the most important things to consider is whether you want the same guardian to observe both of your child and your child's finances. Okay, should you leave an insurance policy to your child? How does that work? Who will be making those decisions? These are all concerns that you need to have written out in legal documents. Since children cannot own property, a guardian must be named to manage the estate, especially if your child is very young. So you may choose the same person to care for your child and manage the finances, or you might decide to choose two different people. However, whatever you, you this is your decision. For instance, let me just give you an example. You might name uh, your brother or your sister as your minor child's guardian, but knowing that she's terrible at managing money, so you might choose your brother to be in charge of the finances, okay? So with that being said, it's usually better to have the same person in charge of both your child and the finances, but if that's not possible, please be sure to consider naming both, okay? And then this might seem obvious, but you need to ask before you name guardians, okay? That's a conversation that you have to have. This goes with most most things, you know, especially if you're you're deciding on a health proxy, you're deciding on a guardian, you know, these acts that you need someone else to do for you in your demise or in case of illness please have that conversation with them before. So it might seem obvious, but before naming anyone to be guardian of your minor child, ask them to put it in writing. Uh, or I'm sorry, ask before you put it in writing. And they can also put it in writing that they actually accept and receive. But while you make, you know, while you make these decisions, 
Okay, let's go back. You might think that your best friend is the perfect person for the job, but she might think otherwise. So to make these decisions, it may be a joint effort and your situation might change. So what you do, you know, at your child's birth may be different seven or eight years down the line. So let's be mindful of that as well and keep abreast of your situation and keep your paperwork current. You know, there's nothing worse than filing legal documents involving your estate and your children and guardianship and your will, and you forget to change it after a life-altering circumstance or event happens, okay? So that pretty much brings us to the end of our show tonight. If you should need any help around any of this, I have attorneys as resources. Please feel free. This is Vonda Jameson of Jameson Legacy Group. And you can always reach me at 914-734-5195. Again, that's 914-734-5195. It's been a pleasure hanging out with you guys tonight. Thank you for stopping by. We'll see you next week at 8 o'clock on Monday night for More Money Mondays. Stay safe, stay woke, and live each day with intention.